0: You cannot, you cannot beat Fanny Crosby. No way, you cannot do it. Well, let's tell you what. If you have your Bible, turn to Book of Matthew, chapter ten, with me tonight, verse four. Matthew chapter ten, verse four. Simon the Canaanite. And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Father, bless this word, Lord. It's not my word, it's your word. As it goes forth, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you tonight for just a few minutes on Judas Iscariot. Uh, For a lot of people, he's a complete and total enigma. There's some Gnostic Gospels that were written uh, first hundred years after Christ or so, found in... uh, in, uh, in 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 egypt about 1947 um and these gnostic gospels one of them's the gospel about judas and says that his motive in betraying the lord was a noble motive that he wanted to force him into the open so that he could bring the kingdom and all of that this and that so forth and so on uh, judas has had his apologists down through the years i'm not one of them i believe that judas is scared according to scripture the Lord said, I've chosen you twelve. One of you is a devil. And the Bible talked about Judas and said he was the son of perdition. Uh, but I do, in my heart and in my soul, think it's a terrible tragedy for one to be so close to Christ and yet so far away. In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse 1 it says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. And then Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, was one of them. These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now think about that for a moment. He is, uh, He's limiting their ministry to Israel. And here's Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. And yet there are people out there, had they heard the word of God like he said of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, if they'd heard what you've heard, they would have long since repented. Makes you think, doesn't it? He had the privilege. We have privilege in this country, have had. That's quickly dying, though, because the knowledge of Christ in this country is definitely uh, dying. People don't know. There are people, believe it or not, in America who've never heard the gospel. So in Matthew 26, he was one of the 12. No question about that. And he was handpicked by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now for the purpose of this and the reason for all of this goes back into the eternal counsels of God. And I'll not try to judge God's motive at all. I'm not his judge. Uh, He had a reason for this. He used Judas Iscariot and he used him to fulfill prophecy. In Matthew 26, the Bible says, One of the twelve, called Judas, went to the chief priest, said to them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. They covenanted for thirty pieces of silver. That's the price of a slave. The Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, was bought and paid for with the price of a slave. Isn't that sad? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26 the Lord said, Verily I say unto you, one of you shall betray me. And he knew, of course, who it was and what he would do. And then in verse 25, Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. With your own mouth, you're going to be judged. With your own words that come forth from your mouth, you'll be tried. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 47, when he came to the garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus said to him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Notice the friend. See, I expected you to be my friend. The Bible said, my own familiar friend hath denied me and risen up against me. Matthew, in Luke chapter 22, he said to Judas, he said, Judas, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? Isn't that something? I don't know how Judas was able to do this uh, because he heard the same teaching that Peter and Paul not Paul, but John and Philip and Bartholomew and Nathanael and Thaddeus and Zacchaeus and all the rest of them heard. He heard the same teaching. He saw the same miracles. He saw him walk on water. He saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. He saw the demons cast out. In other words, he was eyewitness to all the earthly ministry of Christ. And yet in the face of all of that, He was still an unbeliever. And when he came to the end, here's what it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 3. Then entered Satan into Judas. That was it. He was finished when that happened. Satan entered into him. Now, the Bible says, give no place the devil. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Who resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The devil is not an evil influence. The devil is a person. He's a spirit being. An intelligent spirit being. And he's looking for one that he can destroy. We're not ignorant of his wiles, his tactics. We know by studying the Bible and observing other people. How he can destroy a life and a family. Once he had sold him for 30 pieces of silver, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 27, that he took the money because he was smitten. His soul was smitten. How deep this is and how much is involved? I don't know that anybody could really say. The Bible says it repented him that he had done this. Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. That's quite a statement because there's only been one innocent blood and he called him the innocent blood. Obviously, Judas Iscariot had gotten some kind of a spiritual revelation from Almighty God. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. They didn't care anything about that because their religion did not embrace that. Then in Matthew chapter number 27, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed. He went out and hanged himself. That's sad. Here's one of the 12. Had hanged himself. Now the Bible tells us that he gushing forth or falling forth, his bowels were gushed out upon the ground. And a lot of folks have a hard time understanding how this works since he hanged himself. If you'll remember at... Noon, on the day that Christ was crucified, it went dark. You couldn't see your hand before your face. Every indication is that the entire world was cast into darkness, not just that area. And the only light, therefore, was a a man-made light. And that's all they had for the next three hours. And so much of what Christ said while he was on the cross, he said in total darkness. And when the thief said, remember me, that was in darkness except for the light of the you know whatever that they might have had. And then the Bible says that when Christ gave up the ghost the earth shook. It shook and the, and the and the and the temple the veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the graves were opened. Many of the graves were opened in Jerusalem. So a great earthquake, the earth is shaking. God is shaking the earth. He's letting the creation understand what just happened. And then religion found out what happened when he split it wide open from the top to the bottom. And now access to God has been made. And we have graves opening. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. For three days, those graves lay open. For three days, they could come up and stand where their mother or their father, a family member, husband, wife, or children were buried. And there's no doubt in my mind that they stood guard because the grave was open for three days. And then when the Lord Jesus Christ arose from the dead after the third day, many bodies of the saints arose after his resurrection and walked through the streets of Jerusalem. So Judas Iscariot had gone out and Hanged himself and was hanging from a tree when God shook the earth. And when he shook the earth, that tree pitched over with Judas hanging on it. And he, and he fell down upon the rocks and, 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 and busted himself wide open. And this is what happened when God shook the earth at the death of his son. That's how that works. No doubt in my mind whatsoever that Judas Iscariot died. He said, I betrayed the innocent blood. They took the money they gave him to uh, purchase, uh, uh, to pay for the uh, betrayal of Christ. And when he threw it down, they said, we can't take this money and use it into the treasury. So we'll use it to, uh, we'll use it for its blood money. So we're going to use it to buy a potter's field. We'll use it for the burying of the poor. And so they went to the very place where Moloch had uh, consumed the little children back in the time of Jeremiah and which was uh, the, fi- the, the, the field of the area called Hinnom. Hinnom. And we get the Greek word Gehenna from that. And there they, uh, they bought what's called a potter's field and they called it a Keldema. And this was where that field is to this very day. It's still there. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll find that uh, they've done quite a bit in the area. And uh, a lot of it has changed. But they say that they found Anna. Annas. Anna. The uh, one at one time, the high priest, they found the ossuary of Caiaphas inside a cave in that area too. So both of them have definitely been located. As a matter of fact, they're continuing to find things, folks. They found a ring the other day of Hezekiah. They found a ring of of, of, uh, of Nehemiah. Their findings. They found a scroll, a copy of the Book of Leviticus the other day. It hadn't been long ago. That is the oldest known. It dates back to 600 BC. And it's, it's the old uh, 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 scroll of, of, of Hebrew, the old uh, paleo scroll before it became the square letters when they came back from Babylon. And it's a quotation, direct quotation from the book of Leviticus, and they dated it at about 600 BC. Now, the book of Leviticus was written by about 1400 BC by Moses, because that's when the Pentateuch was written. And so here we are back all the way to 600 B.C. with something that quotes the book you've got in your hand and quotes it verbatim just like you've got. There's an awful lot of reason tonight to believe that Bible because the names in that Bible are popping up all over the place. The Lord Jesus says the rocks will cry out one day, and they are crying out. Make no mistake about it, they're continuing to find things. The other day, believe it or not, they found a little bell the little bell was not much it's about the same size as the end of my thumb. And you know where that bell came from? It came from the rim the bottom of the garment worn by the high priest. Amen, because when he went into the holy of holies the bells were ringing. And when they stopped ringing they said, "Uh oh. They had to reach in there and pull him out because the Almighty as he did to Uzzah had smitten him in his tracks. They continued to find Continue, continue, and they're going to continue to find because this Bible right here is God's word. Every word of it is true. And, and the archaeologist, as I said the other day, the archaeologist is your best friend. Amen. Don't ever worry about the archaeologist finding something that's going to contradict your Bible. No, no, no. He will continue to find the things that support the scripture. And so the field of blood, Akeldama. His disciples, when, this, uh, when they had nailed him to the cross, uh, they, they, uh, they, they feared. And they, when, when they feared, they all ran away. Every one of them ran away except one. One of the, one of the twelve stayed there at the cross. Uh, who was that? That's right. You all answered fast. John. John the apostle. And so uh, when we read about Judas Iscariot, it says he was a thief. And had the bag. And so, therefore, he was a thief. Okay? That's what he did. He was a thief. You see, he stole because he was a thief. Stealing didn't make him a thief. He was a thief. Then he showed what he was by stealing. You understand? What you do is not what makes you what you are. What you are, when you do something, shows what you are. All right, it's inside the heart and in the, inside the soul. God has no desire to stop you from doing anything and clean up your act and give you a bowl full of self-righteousness. What he's going to do is come in and change you on the inside. And once he changes you, then you'll stop stealing because such were some of you, but you've been washed. And that's a principle. Religion doesn't like that. Religion likes to clean you up. It likes to clean you up and present you before God with some kind of a man-made standard of righteousness. No, 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 no. It's what happens on the inside. We read in John 13, he gave him the sop. And he said to him, what thou doest, do quickly. So he had made his choice. The devil, Satan, had entered into him. And now he is a, uh, he's literally a type of the antichrist. Almost to perfection, because the Antichrist, <clears throat> for the first three years, is a—he's um, like Solomon. He's like Solomon. Uh, he's a good man, good king. And this is why I mentioned Judas tonight, because you think about Judas. Where did he come from? He's one of the twelve. If you'd known the twelve, would you not have trusted Judas? Well, of course you would, unless you knew something about him that you, you had you, you 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 had no reason to know. You would have trusted Judas Iscariot because he was one of the 12. He went out with power. A lot of people deny that. They don't believe he did. A lot of people deny that he took the Lord's Supper. A lot of people deny and all of that. But I can't find scripture that supports that. He was there. And, uh, and he said, I've, he, said, he, said I've, he said, you're clean except one. Talking about Judas there when he washed their feet. There's one of you that's not clean. So there he was. In the midst of all privilege and power. Coming from the best background you could possibly come from. Is not that a great deception? The way the church is headed today? Don't you think so? I got this in 4 December 2020. Now listen carefully to what this lady says. She sent me this email and here's what she says. Our modern church. The big church I attend has a budget that needs to bring in at a minimum of $100 million annually. Now, when you get hooked into that kind of responsibility, you're going to do whatever you have to do to get that money. And you know how many churches step out on faith? Have you ever heard that? They step out on faith. Well, I'm sure there are times when God moves people to do that. I'm not up here. I'm not the judge. But I also believe there's a lot of times that it's used and abused just to raise money. And it happens. So they have to raise a $100 million annually. She said, I wish it were not true, but verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, expository preaching and teaching will not keep the crowds and finances coming in. So how do they do it? Topical, motivational, feel good, humorous. Destiny, prosperity, oh, they're big on prosperity. Uh, Quoting Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and here's what it says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Is there anything wrong with that scripture? Absolutely not. That's a wonderful scripture and it's a great promise. But here's the problem. When you teach and preach topically and stick to that And that's all you want to deal with is to get some kind of a positive message from the Bible. You're not preaching the book because there's some stuff in that Bible that is not positive. Amen. Amen. This is why the apostle said, I haven't to shun, declare you the whole counsel of God. I'd rather a man tell me the truth than to give me a bunch of stuff to make me feel good. But this is what people are looking for. And the reason they are is because they are so shallow. They're so shallow. Somebody had Job building the ark the other day. (laughs) You'd be surprised what you'll find in the Bible. People, they don't don't know. They have no idea. They're very shallow. And that's so sad because, uh, you know, your your roots in faith are are not going to go any deeper than your understanding of Scripture and your knowledge of God and your relationship with the Lord. Sermons which cherry-picked verses from all over the Bible are the norm. Oh, and don't forget to use whatever translation out of the 50 or 60 available that says it exactly the way you need to say it. See what I mean? And make sure the kids are having fun. And you'd be surprised how many people go to church today and the only thing they have on their mind is what have you got for the kids? That's it. What have you got for the kids? Now there's nothing wrong with having something for the kids. You need to do what you can for the kids. We want the kids to, be, to enjoy themselves and when they're children to have fun and all of that. But that is a peripheral thing. You see, that's a side thing. That's not what it's all about. That's just an issue. That's just one of the ministries of the church. But there are some churches that major on that because they know that if they get the kids, they get the parents. And this is the way you understand Motives. God's the only one who can truthfully judge all the motives. And so this lady sent this to me in December of 2020. And, uh, and, and she, she's, uh, she's clever in the way she, she uses her wording. Uh, uh, and, and the kids, uh, make sure the kids are having fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what's the church for then? What are we here for? Why are we here? We're not here for me. You know, I may. This may be the last day I walk on this earth. It's not about me. Who's it about? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. Amen. Now, granted, as you go around this world, you're going to deal with different cultures. I understand all that. I've traveled a little bit. I know people are different, and I know that. I understand that. But the bottom line is, culture or no culture, however the culture may change, it's still the same message. It's Christ and Him crucified. That's the that's that's the key. To lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, these other things, they have their place. We want you. We don't want you to come in here, and your and your jaw drop into the floor, and and, and a funeral dirge every time you walk into the building. Uh, we want to, some rejoicing. The Scripture says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, rejoice. So yes, we understand that, but we also know that, uh, and I'm inclined more to believe this as time passes that a lot of people have been looking to the wrong place for the Antichrist. Don't be surprised if he doesn't come right out of the church and he's not one of the biggest named preachers in this country. Don't be surprised. Don't be a bit surprised if he's not one of the most well-known preachers in America. And he is the one that, is, uh, that rises to the top. Listen to this testimony I got the other day. I get them all the time, and some of them, my goodness, they blow your mind. This one came in in March 7, 23 I grew up in church, born in 1974, church till 1990, 16 years he spent in church. I stopped going when the choir director murdered his wife to be with a church organist. Well, you say that's an extremely rare case, oh, you're living in a cave. <laughs> You're living in la-la land, Uh, the church organist. Not understanding it, really, I saw this as people who go to church just to hide their sins. Well, that happens. That happens. He said, I lived like hell itself for the next 20 years. So that puts him 36 years old. I hit rock bottom and remembered some of the teachings from the several churches I went to as a youth. And last year, I became a prodigal son. I returned to Jesus. He has greatly helped transforming from the inside. I prayed to have God to give me a heart of flesh and take my heart of stone. And he has. I was happy looking for others, but all I have found was dead churches and zombie Christians. (laughs) That's sad, folks. I talked to some of these preachers that come through here, and some of them just offer it on their own. They talk about how they feel something when they walk in this house. They feel the spirit of God in here. Amen. Now, you know, we don't always have great spiritual services. But the main thing is that the presence of the Holy Spirit, is he here or is he not here? That's what matters. A lot of people think if they can make a bunch of noise that they're going to have a spiritual church. You will. But it's the wrong spirit. Amen. You're going to be spiritual. (laughs) That man tell me one time, oh, he's spiritual. Yeah, he's spiritual. Everybody in here tonight's spiritual, but well, which spirit? Yeah, that's the problem. Then he goes on to say, "I speak to a neighbor. I guess he means he tried to witness to a neighbor, or his neighbor was uh, one of the church members. He said I caught watching Pornhub on his phone, and when I walked up to him to put it out of my mind, found out I knew more about Christ than he did. He said I was disappointed." So obviously, he considered him to be a good Christian brother, and he's hooked on pornography. And you know the figure they give out is something like 40% now, maybe even 50, maybe even half the men in the church houses today in America are hooked on pornography. If you are, get on your knees and get God to give you some grace and get right with the Lord. It's going to suck the very life out of your soul, and it'll destroy your marriage. I'm not asking anybody tonight to get up and confess to anything, but I'm telling you, if you're into that thing, it'll put, a, it'll put a stranglehold on you, and it'll destroy your life. Don't let it do it. Get right with God. And he said, I found Temple Baptist on YouTube. Been learning so much as your messenger listened the Holy Spirit, passes the knowledge to us. Thank God I found Temple been listening now for a year, multiple times a day, reading my Bible faithfully, grown in the, in the spirit. I thank you for your online ministry. And Brother Van for posting them. Keep Temple a hospital for sinners, not a country club for saints. Amen. <laughs> so you wait till I tell you about Van. Amen. You'll be... We get people who send us emails and say, oh, I love that lady. That little white-haired lady that sings, and she's up there on that piano. They're, they think they're in here. They're watching. They know you when they come and visit with us. They see. They have seen you on television so much, or on the internet, so much that they know you when they get in here. They know you, and uh, and so many of them comment about how they like the old-fashioned music that we sing in here. The old-fashioned music, and uh, there is something about it, isn't there? Now here's a testimony. And I, you know, I don't want to bore you to death with testimonies, but I'm going to tell you something. This is from a um, young lady, and um, she says, "I was raised Catholic, attended mass and Catholic school for my entire childhood. Despite this, I never knew Christ. Now listen carefully. I had no faith." And ultimately left the church at age 13 rather than being confirmed. That's young, 13 years old, to come to a decision like that. In my personal experience, now this is her personal experience, and you can say what you please about the Catholic Church, Pope, or any of the rest of it. This is the girl that grew up in it, okay? Okay? This is what's important. This is how she grew up. She said, in my personal experience, the Catholic Church tends to hold God at arm's length. From you at all times you're encouraged to access God through your priest rather than through Jesus. Mary is elevated to a level of reverence that causes confusion. The whole thing felt so disjointed and impersonal. I knew nothing of being saved or having a close relationship with Jesus or the gift of the Holy Spirit. We were never instructed or encouraged to read the Bible, and so I never did. Instead, I spent my early years being indoctrinated with Catholic ideology, hardly any of which based on anything biblical. Even the Pope himself, and she did not identify which Pope, even the Pope himself had declared that having a, quote, personal relationship with Jesus is dangerous. Think about that. And he's supposed to be the representative of St. Peter. And he's supposed to be, uh, uh, speaks ex cathedra from the chair, which means that he has a direct revelation from God. And he's supposed to be the head of the Holy Apostolic Church. And he is therefore the vicar of Christ on this earth. She said, Even the Pope said personal relationship with Jesus is danger. She said, my heart and mind were a scrambled mess spiritually. So I walked the next 27 years alone and without my heavenly father. Now, here's a simple question. Begs the question. How many are out there just like this young lady? See, how many are out there? Are you watching tonight? We're not up here because we hate Catholics or hate the Catholic church. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to show you how that a Catholic girl, by her own testimony and witness, has this to say. And this is irrefutable. This, these are her, her words. This is her testimony. She said, I won't go on all the details, but suffice it to say these 27 years were not blessed No, they were difficult and sad. As hard as I tried, things never seemed to really pan out in my life. During this time, I experienced everything from divorces to bankruptcy to homelessness and finally failing health. In 2020, I was at my lowest point. Now, this is God delights in people hitting their lowest point. You see, you're finished at your lowest point. That's when he starts. She said, in 2020, I was at my lowest point. I was in very poor health, dire straits financially. My body was falling apart. I was about to lose my house. I honestly wasn't even sure that I would make it through. I was really ready to just die and get it over with. I was sitting on my back porch one day, January 2020, crying about the mess my life had become when Jesus reached out to me. (laughs) It was so powerful that I knew immediately that I just wanted him to hold me and help me, and he did. In that moment, I began to realize he had been there all along, but I was just too arrogant, too ignorant, and so consumed with my daily life that I didn't or hadn't realized it. The following day, I had opened the YouTube app on my phone for some reason. All right, now you folks, anybody under 30 and a lot of you older, you know exactly what a YouTube app is. And now listen to this. The following day, I had opened the YouTube app on my phone for some reason. And there in my suggested videos was you. Amen. Now, how do you think that happened? I sure didn't do it. And I'm not reading this for me, folks. I'm trying to show you how God works, though. This is what's important. She said, there was you. I had never watched any preaching on YouTube before. So by all logic, there's no reason that their algorithm would have included your video on the list. I believe God put you there instead. My husband and I watched your sermon on the awful truth about hell, and it changed our lives. I clung to your every word, took it into my soul, asked Jesus to save me that day, and I have never looked back. My husband, who had been estranged from Jesus for many years, rededicated his life to him. Amen. Thanks be unto God. I saw Satan, as lightning fall from heaven. He might've created the internet, but the almighty can use it. He delights in taking Satan at his own wiles. He'll give him he'll give him an opportunity. He'll put a string on him, let him run so far. Then he'll stop him and manifest his glory. That's God folks. That's God. Amen. I get these all the time, all the time how that, uh, how that, uh, my life was a mess. I was wasted. You know, I had tried everything. I had, I was at the end of my road and, uh, and, but then he came to me and he came to me. He did. And do you know what? I didn't invite him to come to me. I didn't go to third Creek Baptist church and go down to the altar and get on my knees one day and say, Lord, show me the truth. Show me the way I want to know the truth. I want to know the way. Back in 1973, I didn't do that. No, no, but I saw somebody get saved. Somebody that I had respected. Somebody that was a good, clean, moral person. My wife's sister. And when I saw that, it kind of got my attention. And it wasn't long after that until something began to come down on my soul. Like I had never felt in my life conviction he came to me and there are days folks that all i ever do is thank god that's all to do you know you pray in a lot of different ways and i do pray i pray a lot of different ways i don't always come to god asking for things i just come to him and bless him and thank him and praise him and glorify him and say, Lord, I had never seen that, and here you are showing me this, and I'm 76 years old, and you've got to have a reason to be showing something like that to me. And God says, I'll take care of it, son. Just listen to me. Keep your mind open. I say, Lord, I'm a student of the Bible. I don't know everything. I want to learn. He said, good. I'll teach you. You say, you're a crazy preacher. God doesn't talk to people like that. Well, I'm sorry if he doesn't talk to you, but he does me. That's too bad. If you stumble around in darkness, don't hear anything. I hate to hear it, but he does me. I've got another one in here that I was going to to go through tonight, but it's too long. And uh, and it's quite a thing. And I'm praying about when to use this. Uh, This is uh, is 81322, a homeless drug addict friend. And this is the lady that, to just give you a start of what she says, and then I'll let it go at that. But maybe it'll just stir your mind up tonight. I mean, this is the real world. Here's what this lady says when she sent this to me. On February the 2nd, 2022, I was on my lunch hour when I crossed paths with a homeless, drug-addicted man. It was freezing cold outside, 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and he was in full-blown psychosis. Now, psychosis is when you get off into something, you don't even know who you are, what you are, what you're doing. That's, so, that's psychosis. In other words, you, you essentially have no control over your mind and your thinking and who you are. Miserable in his flesh, tormented, I was scared of him. After fearing for my life, sitting inside the sub sandwich shop that day, I hurried to my car. When I was done eating, locked the car, drove two miles up the road. Now, listen to this. God hit me with a message and a mission. Turn around and go back to him the Almighty said, I did. When God speaks, I listen. I drove back to this homeless man, parked facing him. God told me to record him. And then God clearly spoke. I love him. He has a family that loves him too. Find out his name and go after him. Now that's something for a complete stranger that she'd gone back to. There are many details I will not get into in this email but after finding out his name I searched online for him a few days later during our winter storm we were frozen shut in our house and I had time to research I found his old Facebook he had countless posts on my on my some of my favorite pastors you pastor Lawson was also his favorite as well as Dr Gene Kim how many know who Gene Kim is yeah If you find his name, watch it, listen to him. Yes, sir, he's good. Very good. I now was intrigued. I connected with his aunt and uncle that I found on his Facebook page, learned he had no family, was in his corner anymore. He had burned all his bridges. Nobody believed in him anymore. And then she continues on her relationship with him and what God had done. And here she's saying, please, please, please pray. Get the church to pray and call on the name of the Lord for him. Because here's the biggest issue with him. He's a drug addict. I mean, he is deeply addicted. He is an addict, folks. He is deep into it. And even though in his heart he loves the Lord, he wants to serve God, his mind goes off into psychosis, his body goes into withdrawal, he's addicted to drugs. So it's not a simple, easy thing. One day, he may, be, he, may be, he may be supportive, he may be agreeable, and you might be able to get him to pray and work with him and help him and all that. And then all of a sudden, he makes a complete change and goes back to what he was before. So what do you do? Throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, too bad? No. You pray and pray. Now, before I close tonight, I want to ask you a simple question. How many people in this house tonight answered God's call the first time he spoke to your soul? Hallelujah for honest people. (laughs) Glory to God. So he spoke to you more than once. He spoke to you over and over and over and over again. That's called the long suffering of God. Amen. He kept coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. And then finally, you answered the call. God's a gracious God. Not willing that any should perish. So we live in a culture today. This is 2023. We live in a drug addicted psychotic culture, folks. People are loony out here on the streets. They're addicted to drugs. Sometimes they can become violent. Sometimes they can do things that they normally wouldn't do. They could kill you and all kinds of stuff. And so we need to pray about how we minister to people today. When I came here in 1976, people ministered in the same gospel. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the method I'm talking about the means. How do we reach them? How do we reach these people? How do we help them? That's what we need to be praying about tonight. So I'll give you that prayer request. Tonight. As we go into prayer. We should be evangelistic in this church. We need God to raise up evangelistic. People. People with evangelism. This is why I've been pushing. I don't know if any. Some of you know. uh, Months ago I began to begin to nudge and push toward evangelism for our young people and reaching other people. And we're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that. I want to see people saved. Amen. Amen. I want to see them saved. And so we need to pray about that. Pray about that tonight. Pray that God uses Temple Baptist Church in a unique, special way. Amen. Because there's not another church like ours. Hallelujah. Thank God there's not. (laughs) One of us is enough. But God will use this church for what he's got us in, on this, here in this world for. So remember that. Remember um, uh, Matthew Howe tonight. How many of you know Matthew? Surely you know Matthew Howe. He and his brother Jesse grew up here. Do you know where that bird is right now? He's in England. Yeah, he's in England. He went to England with his school out there, Temple and Powell. And uh, Brother Sexton's over there with him. And I don't know how many of them went. But that's a trip of a lifetime. I tried to tell him some of the stuff he'd see while he's over there. And it's quite a thing, folks. England is a whole lot older than America. <laughs> Amen. So pray for him. Pray he has a good time and he comes back safe and gets an education while he's over there. Because when you see things firsthand, you have a tendency to remember them. And, uh, and Berna McLeod, Berna, she had, her, she had her thing today. How did she do with it?
1: Yeah. He testified and talked to us about how he was on hospice care yeah. and how he died, and he came back and told us everything he saw about him. And uh, I said, that is a wonderful thing that you're in this position, When we're about the fact that you're in this position. You can uh, witness to people. Yes. Uh, people are going to face some surgeries and
0: That's good. Yes, yes, ma'am. That was good. All right. Anybody else? Yes,
1: sir? Yes.